Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Hello everyone and welcome to Season 2 of the Brisbane Football Review, part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. With the Raw's A-League squad back getting ready for the upcoming campaign, we decided to get our own pre-season work in at the same time. My name is James Coglin and I'll be your host, and joining me fresh off their day one training programs are two well-versed experts. We have Scott Owen, fresh off his shooting drills. Hello, Scott. James, how are you? Oh, not too bad. And coming off some post-practice wind sprints, we also have Adam Pace. How was your off-season? Ah, oh, good, James. Uh, good, to see you, good to see you boys again. Have we got those shooting drills on tape? So I might send them off to Johnny Alois. <laughs> he's, he's looking for a striker, isn't he? <laughs> That's right. We've got plenty more to get into. But before we get into the segments, we should probably give ourselves a little bit of a reintroduction to the Brisbane Football Review for those of us joining us for the first time or people who just wanted to scrub last season's shows from their memory. As mentioned already, we're part of the Outside 90 Fan Network, which also... Pre- presents the daily football show during the A-League season. We'll have a weekly podcast, same as last year, and we'll be at every home game doing our fan cams, which gives you the chance to have your say. Might be some more stuff as the season gets closer too, but for now, that's what we've got in store, and I'm really excited. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to see it. They're at least in pre-season and after the end of the off-season, so... That's right. And, uh, yeah, we made it through, what, 34 episodes last season? Yeah. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> we, we did it, somehow. Yes, despite my technological ability, we somehow managed to produce all of these shows, and yeah, it was a lot of fun, so we decided to come back again. All right, so let's get into segment one, the Raw News recap of the last couple of months since yeah. we last recorded. Yeah. Yeah, and unlike so, the last couple of years, James, it's about all about on the field this time as well. Yes, is, that's it. Thankfully, unlike the last few off-seasons, we don't have any financial dramas to discuss. How refreshing was that? It's great. Yeah, great. It's uh, a normal off-season. <laughs> Yeah, and there was, what, a couple of stories floating around about player signings and whatnot, yeah. but overall, I think it's actually been really, really good. Yeah, it's been good to have a few weeks where it's just been a bit more quiet. Yeah. So, yeah, let's get into it. Transfers. We're going to start with the outs. Obviously, we knew Thomas Broich was leaving. We yep. knew Jamie McLaren and Brandon Barella were both going, mm-hmm. but Barella and McLaren have both signed with German clubs yep. now. And it's good moves for both of them, really, when you look at it. They're going to play for those two teams. I mean, McLaren had offers, if you believe the rumours, from all sorts of clubs, but he chose Darmstadt purely because that's where he's going to play. Which I think is an absolutely brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah I just saw a, Twitter earlier, a tweet from uh, Jamie McLaren earlier, so it's his first day at Darmstadt, so he gets to meet all his new teammates, and look, we wish him all the best. Yeah, absolutely, and Brandon Barella as well with Kaiserslautern. Who... He launched the away kit, didn't he? That's right, yeah. yeah. He's already uh, doing some modelling work yeah. over there, so good for Brandon Borello. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Thomas Broich, still no announcement on where he's going, but we had a good chat with him at the fan forum after our last episode, which was honestly a lot of fun. It was a lot of great, great a lot of fun there. Someone hosted that. I'm not sure who was the yeah. MC on that yeah. night. Some Somebody. guy's still waiting for his growth spurt. <laughs> <laughs> and who else? Will we... Yeah, so the big breaking news, I suppose, to come out in the off-season in terms of departures yeah. was Tommy Orr. Thanks. Did you expect that to happen? No, not really, but I mean, it, it seems like the reporting around it was this was always the plan for the Raw to on sell him, but I can't say I didn't expect it to happen because he's had, he didn't have the greatest deal last year, and I just thought the market would be um not not quite there for him to get a move, but for the Raw it's fantastic because they've got that marquee spot open now, which yeah. they're going to need to fill. Yeah, look, I think I think it comes a bit of a surprise, you know, in in a way, I think the fans aren't unfortunately. I don't think they're that unhappy to see him go. And you know, I, I just wonder if this was a play to try and hold on to Thomas Broch before he went he went public. And um, yeah, like I said, at the end of the day, we've ended up losing both of them, really. Yeah, well, like, or as we know, yeah, he didn't really have a great season, as yeah. you mentioned. But you know, I think we all sort of felt like maybe one of the marquees, whether it was Orr or Holman, might have had to have needed to have been moved on. And we all thought Orr was probably the more likely one to go, given his age and ambition to try again in Europe. 
Yeah, no, look, and like I said, he's he's going to a club you now of considerable pedigree. Yeah. You know, if you call Cyprus that, you know, the, he'll, well, yeah. he'll at least you know play you know some form of Champions League football. So if, I think for him, you know, as far yeah. as Socceroos aspirations, that yeah. might be a good place to be. But you know, it's it's almost yeah. a win a win win yeah. situation. Almost yeah. he gets to move on his career, and we get a marquee spot open up. And you know, who knows what we can attract? He'll probably drop into the Europa League after the Champions League qualifiers. But that's still a it's a high level of football for him in a World Cup year. If he does play for Wapoel. There is an opening on that left-hand side, potentially. And he does get to play against some of the biggest clubs in the world, like Arsenal. <laughs> what, Europa? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Thursday night league. Please. Hey, enjoy I, that. I, yeah, I will. Hey, you'll be, hey, you'll be joining <laughs> my side, so... <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> you know, I've seen know. enough Europa League football for one lifetime. Thank <laughs> yes, you very much. Scott is, of course, a Manchester United fan. I'm an Arsenal fan, in case you missed it. Yep. Adam's Everton, yep. so... We do also have allegiances outside Brisbane, but yeah. this is a raw podcast. We're yeah. going to keep focusing on that and talk about the departure of Manuel Arana. He yeah. Was, he was another player that we might have hoped to have seen a little bit more of last year, but unfortunately yeah. it just didn't quite work out for It really him. bore comparisons to Hervas, didn't it? He arrived late and never really got going. But I think the, that's the, that's, it just didn't quite work out for him, unfortunately. But the one thing I would point out you know, for Arana is he was kind of a victim of a numbers game where Borello yeah. and Broich were just so good. Yeah. And then all was obviously the play that they were trying to get going. As He did have chances yeah. around that Champions League time, though, as well. He had that one really good game against Global. Okay, it's Global, but that was, really, that was really his one really good game. And he never really capitalised on that to continue to, call, to press for a spot on the side, unfortunately. Look, I think if Arana wasn't, like, if he was an Australian player, I think he'd be a little bit more... F- They'd be more forgiving, but unfortunately, you can't expect yeah. that sort of lack of production from a visa spot. You know, and yeah. look at the end of the day, you know, he moved on. You know, like I said, and I think it's a lesson to be learnt as well is that you know the, the recruiting as far as visa players, you can't wait till you know August September to get them in. They need to be in now because they need that preseason training. Otherwise, we're going to have a another Iran or another Hervas yeah. come along where you know that they don't hit their straps until November December or. Not at all, which we've seen an unfortunate couple of times. And four youngsters have yeah. left the club as well. You've got Nathan Constantopoulos, who scored a screamer for the Adelaide United yeah, Youth team. He's back in Adelaide. Yep, Joey Katabian's gone. He's hasn't announced anything. I yet. haven't seen anywhere he's gone, unfortunately. It, yeah. I, I've been I'm assuming it's somewhere season. in Victoria. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that where everybody goes? Yeah. Uh, Cameron Crestani, I was really disappointed to see him go, but again, a victim of a numbers game. Yeah, he's back at Western Pride with um, another former young rule player, Harrison Sawyer, released from Newcastle, and the two of them are going great guns for them at the moment. Which is something. And then Kai Rolls as well. He was yeah. a recent departure. Last week, wasn't it? He was yeah. announced as going to Central Coast Mariners. I think that's purely, again, a numbers game. You've got a lot of young defenders at the Raw. And also, yep. there, was and also just, there wasn't well, going to be a spot for all of them. And also, as well, I think opportunity for him as well that he may, he may, depending on how well he goes in preseason, he may end up on the left left back role for for Central Coast. And what he's actually developing is a very, very sort of interesting sort of you know collection of players that Paulo Conte mm. down there, and not necessarily a bad thing either. Mm. And look, they are going young there, and yeah. truthfully, I think yeah, Rolls just saw a chance to play more and. Yeah, he was going it? to be fourth choice centre back here and probably yeah. third choice left back. So, yeah, between, it's a, more of an opening for him down there. Basically, it's between him and Josh Rose for that uh, left back spot. You know, come come October. Yeah. So some of the players that have re-signed in the last little while, Michael Theo, are we happy? Yes. Yep. It'll be a good. It'll be it. more of a battle this year though for the number one spot. I think between him and Jamie Young. Definitely. And look at. You know, while we've been critical of both of them in the past, I do feel like you've got two starting caliber goalkeepers battling for playing time, which is always good. I think at the end of the day, it's always good to have, you know, no matter what, you know, after what happened when, um, you know, when when Michael Theo got injured in that that, uh, final, was that at least you know that you have a dependable backup. And, yeah, either way you go. Like, I I reckon that might be the big battle, but see who actually starts as as number one. You know, against Melbourne City. I will say Sydney FC would beg to have either of them available for them right now, <laughs> given the options out there for them, but that's another story. Yep, absolutely. And then Jacob Pepper, look, again, an, an unpopular decision to re-sign him, and they kind of announced it at the same time as Joe Coletti. <laughs> yeah, slide that one through. <laughs> uh, but look, I was listening back to some of our shows towards the end of last season, and we all agree that, you know, Pepper is the sort of guy that you need, whether it's a salary cap league or a club just operating on a budget, he's that sort of depth central midfielder that can yeah. come in, play one or two games yeah. and do we'll a job. We'll get to the youth later on. There was, wasn't really a logical option to step into that that midfield spot at the moment. So you, you're either going to re, re-sign a Jacob Pepper or find another version of him for another A-League club. 
Yeah. At this, at some point, you just stick with the guy you know who knows the way you play. Exactly. And, and he's already here. There's no point changing for no reason. And my counter to that is always, you know, John Aloisi's coaching turned Corey Brown from a guy battling yep. for a job to the club player of the season. And I think you're asking for a lot if you're going to expect that, but anyway. But weren't we asking for a lot from Corey Brown this time last year <laughs> Look, as well? So. And at the end of the day, you know, I think it'd be very, very clear. Hmm. You know, Jacob Pepper either, you know, puts in the performances that we think he can do, or he'll be have. He'll be sort of he'll be pro cut at the end of the season. I think we'll say I hope that Coletti starts the season ahead of him in the pecking order. But you'd have to think hopefully. so. But look, there's going to be a lot of games, a lot of chances for everybody yeah. to play. And then, as we mentioned, Joe Coletti's there. Avram Papadopoulos, as we sort of teased yep. at the end of last season, and the most recent addition, Dane Ingham. Yeah, so the defense is completely stacked now. You've got eight defenders there. All of them. You could make a case for a good competition for every spot there. At centre-back, though, it's really interesting. And the players that would be considered yeah. starting calibre in pretty much any A-league well, club. Yeah, well, the thing is, you've got three centre-backs who would start at pretty much every club here. I mean, which one, which two are you going to go with? North, Devere, and Papadopoulos, I mean. And when healthy, Daniel yeah. Bowles. Yeah, well, he would... He'll be yeah. back at some stage. But also, as well, I just wonder if Dane Ingham actually will be, you know, other than sort of, you know, a makeshift right back, um, whether he'll be play, he'll probably play more up front. He has been yeah. playing, you know, up... You know, sort of further up, you know, for the All Whites, you know, in, in you know, in his senior they day. He's a so. wing back, don't they, with three centre backs behind him? They do. So yeah. it's hard to know whether, yeah, he's probably much and muchest. But I think I just wonder that, you know, whether he'll actually, you know, be looked at more as a, you know, a right winger than a right back. We'll have to wait yeah. and see. Lots might find out yeah. in future weeks. Mm. Absolutely. And some of the players coming in. So we had the exclusive with Fahid Ben Kalfula yep. right after. Well, you did, you. Yeah. Right. Well, wait, you guys were in the room too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, you're right. The, uh, the audience might not know that we were in the room. <laughs> but we've actually got a little bit of a clip from our season finale last time, giving our thoughts on the potential addition of Farheed Ben Kalfala. Any interest in Farheed Ben Kalfala? No, I don't want the Broich wannabe. Oh, Adam's thinking about it. Look, no, I, look, I wouldn't say no, but I just don't think his price tag would be worth it. Yep. If it, yeah, the money you would. It would yeah, take signing. The, mo- the money would you would be- rather see it go to Broich. I can see it working, but he just he didn't look as good this year as he did in the previous year. So I'll pass on yeah, that. And one. that's why you know we know he's capable, which is still a poor thing. But I just don't think the money that we would outlay for him would be worth it. You're better off going all in on someone else. I'm also cautious of anyone from Melbourne Victory because we tend to get the rough end of the deal. Yeah, when we do swaps with them. And those were our thoughts on the potential signing of Fahid Ben Kalfas. <laughs> that was a ringing endorsement, that, wasn't it? <laughs> well, like I said, Welcome I, for him. Hey, I was, I was assuming that, we, that the club had no money. That's uh, I, was, I was basing on, but no. Look. And just as a point, if anyone from the club is listening to it, that was Scott that said that. That, that, that was, that was pre Broich announcement and pre-Tommy or departure. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about what we think Ben Kalfal is going to yeah. bring to the the side. So that was gonna... also pre-grand final. I did mm-hmm. say in the final show of the year he had a really good game grand final day. Yeah, well. That was the final show of the oh, year. Oh, was it? Well, at some point in that grand that show, I did say he had a good game on the grand he final did. day. Well, but... And as a, I think his best game last season was actually against the Raw. And speaking of his, yeah. I suppose, encouragement to move to Brisbane, he actually had this to say in our interview. Well, uh, everything happened la- during the week. Uh, I was in France and uh, John called me asked me if I was interested to come in this club and uh, my answer was yes straight away because uh, yeah uh, I knew I wasn't gonna stay in Melbourne and I wanted to stay in Australia and I had different options but obviously when John called me it was very easy so I said yes straight away Um, because I know him and uh, I've got a good relationship with him and uh, Brisbane is one of the biggest clubs like uh, three championships uh, grand finals so and I wanted to be in a good team to try to win the trophy at the end of the season so it was uh, an easy choice. So that's what Fahid Ben Kalfala had to say in his first interview with well me yeah and what do you think about his desire to work with Aloisi? Do you think that comes from when they were in Melbourne? Um, I, I yeah, it's hard to know where so the relationship begins, you know, sort of begins there. But uh, look at end of the day, I guess the acknowledgement that you know he is, you know, he was one of the better players in the league, you know, and and to get him and obviously and seemingly within, I know it's within the cap or not so sure how where he's getting paid, but I honestly think that you know it's it's actually a pretty shrewd signing at best anyway. Yeah, and look. We all would have loved to have seen Thomas Broich stay, and as you said, like the dynamics sim- have changed in that left wing position, haven't they? Since yeah. since the when we recorded that last show, so and we were talking about it after we did the interview, where we were saying that you know the 
good part about Ben Kalfa is he can play anywhere mm-hmm. along yeah. that attacking midfield trio. He can yeah. play left, right, or even in the centre if Holman's, yeah. Yeah, you we'll, know, need something We'll get different. to the second side, but I think that's becoming a bit of a theme with the recruitment this year in general. Players who can play in multiple roles to keep, keep teams guessing a little bit more. And look, and also players that are absolutely motivated. In fact, Ben Kalfa had this to say when I asked him about his goals for the season. Do you have any personal goals for this season? You mentioned winning the title as part of the team. or No, to play my best football, but my goal is always for the team. Especially when, you know, when you're getting older, you've got more experience and, you know, uh, individual trophy or whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, the only thing I want is to win with the team, uh, to get the trophy, make people happy, play good football, make my family happy. And, um, yeah, that's all. So for me, the big standout from that is, yeah, Ben Kalfler really does seem motivated this season to prove a point. And I think the whole team probably has that same view, given the last couple of years they've been so close. Yeah. With the semifinals twice in a row, falling just short of a grand final berth. I think the whole team probably would feel like they want to get over that line this year, and at least make the grand final and hopefully win it. Well, after the Asian Champions League final game, I remember talking to Jack Hingett and was you know, gave him some little throwaway comment on, you know, oh, next year's going to be it. And he said, yep, because I'm sick of losing in the semifinals. Yes. Yeah, and that, that's the attitude you want to you yeah. hear, is that, you know what, they're not, they're not, the players at least are not going around saying, oh, you know, making a semifinal is, is good. Now, they want to win it. I think, I think they're, they're getting close to that window where the, this squad could go close. Could yeah. go close. Otherwise, I think, especially the number of off-season, off, off contract in the following years, it may be a rebuilding period after this. So I think they've got to go for it this season. Yeah, absolutely. And look, Aloisi's got a three-year contract and he's been able to bring in a player that he knows from his time at Melbourne Heart, wasn't it? I don't know if their paths crossed at Melbourne Heart or not, actually. Okay. Good question. Um, maybe no, with victory he, when he was at he the joined Melbourne, He joined Melbourne City and John Aloisi had been released as a uh, okay. the year before. So I don't think their paths crossed. I don't know. I You're talking about Corey Gamero here, by the way. That's right. The new signing that they announced earlier this week. Yeah. And... When asked about him at his media conference yesterday, so that's Thursday, in case you're listening to this on delay, this is what Aloisi had to say about Gramera on his motivation for the year. Corey's, uh, he doesn't stop. He's climbing walls because he's ready to play. He wants to play. He's uh, excited about being back. It's up to, to me and the, the uh, medical staff to, to hold him back a little bit because, you know, he's, he's had uh, a couple of injuries that... Uh, you know, we just have to make sure that he's right. But he's, he looks like he's moving really well. You know, uh, you can see already that he's lightning quick. Um, and Fahid will build him up slowly because uh, you know, Fahid had a, a good long season last season and uh, did really well. And but he settled in really well. He hasn't lost his pace, Corey. No, no, not at all. You know, we did a little bit of testing the last couple of days, and uh, the medical staff were very surprised how you know how good he's moving and how quick he still is. And uh, I'm excited because, uh, you know, like Jane McLaren, like with Brandon Brello, you know, uh, I've got a soft spot for young, talented Australians that really want to do well. And, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for him. And, and that's all we can give. And uh, hopefully he takes it. So that was John Aloisi at his media conference. I'm actually enjoying this whole new level of production with sound drops and everything. Yeah, we're actually uh, looking professional this yeah. season. A new toy for you, James. Yeah, that's right. Extra work to do. Yeah. All right, so... Corey Gramero, obviously he's had some knee troubles in the past, and as Aloisi said, they're working him back slowly. What do you think he's going to be able to bring to this team? Well, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? I mean, you just don't know. He's missed three years, basically, with knee injuries, so that's, it's such a tough one to tell. But last seen healthy on the field, he was probably comparable to Jamie McLaren. You think back to Jamie McLaren two, three years ago, a young player had come back from Europe looking for an opportunity, and they were... Heading along the same path. Unfortunately for Gamero, he's missed all this time, and McLaren's surged ahead. So it'd be interesting to see where Gamero is at. But if he's if he's fit and he's healthy, I think it's absolutely worth a chance. Absolutely, because you might be getting a really good young Australian striker, and there's not many of those out there. Look, I, I absolutely agree. I think um, you know the whole questions about oh, you know, is there a risk you know, after three you know, knee reconstructions? Like, you know, at the end of the day, as as um, General Wilson said in that in that grab is that you know it's up to the medical staff and him not to not to sort of to overdo yeah. it and not and to sort of not bring him on too early. So if he says is he if he says fit, you know he's he's a player that can you know easily you know score ten goals a season, and, that, and that's at the moment I think that's yeah. probably where you want you know a number of our players to be at. Yep, and the big thing is also there's still so much 
like yeah. to unfold now, but you'd have to think Grimero is also in a really advantageous yeah. position where he won't be starting every week, so it's not like well, he's going to have to come... initially, anyway. You'd expect him to start as a bench option. Yeah. So at the very least, he's a nice upgrade on Joey Katabi with potential to be a lot more than that. Could he be that sort of Enrique super sub role? Now, I know Enrique hated that, but... He had his own injury history too, Enrique. As yeah. Well. So it's entirely possible he could fill that sort of role for the role, which was needed at times last year. They didn't have enough goals off the bench. That's right. All right, so we're going to take a break here and call that up for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review, season two, episode one. So we'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Season 2, Episode 1, part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. I've got to find a way to shorten that for the yep. coming episodes, but we're going to keep going. So, the Raw squad, 19 players signed currently, three visa spots and one marquee spot available. Aloisi says there are plans in place to bring in some sort of marquee yep. attacker. We're looking at two more players based on what Aloisi was saying yesterday. Yep. Two in the attacking third, and they're both going to be visa players. And presumably one yep. will be a marquee. Yeah. And the, those quotes were given to 442. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see how they go. But basically, it seems like he's banking on giving the young Australian talent a chance, but they're going to be sort of working with... I do hope these two signs are made in the next few weeks. So you don't want... Mm. We're talking... Adam mentioned it. I think you mentioned it in the first segment. We don't want those signs arriving late September, last minute. You want you prefer them here now, getting used to the way we play, etc. Especially, especially if they're a player that hasn't actually, you know, really done much of anything since, you know, yeah. May. If they come from Europe, or yeah. you know, if they're sort of going you know, being a lull for an Asian league, because I, I guess you know the, that marquee player. Like I know, reading some, on our um, social media platforms, I know there's a few sort of you know, rumors and suggestions, and I don't want to give, give it more than what it is. But you know, one, one or two players are fairly, fairly interesting. But you know, you'd hope that they would be on board in the next couple of weeks, otherwise. Yeah. They're going, to be, they're going to be behind the eight ball. And that's what, especially a marquee yeah. striker is what I think we need. Particularly if you're relying yeah. on that player as mm. well to be a, at the, the full the front of what you're trying to do. You want them here as soon as possible. And looking back to the last couple of years, I do think one thing that really has harmed, I suppose, Arana and Hervas was the fact that they landed, yeah. what, a week or two before yeah. the season Even starts. Holman wasn't really super early in preseason. That was, what, late August, early September as well. I, it was and September. Corona was quite late as well. Yeah, but the, like I said, to his credit, Corona really sort of yeah. got when he hit the straps. Like, But we didn't see much until November. It was just when he did was good. He was very good. Yeah. yeah. So, but when we just, like I said, but we're, what, what, one hour three, yeah. one hour four? You know, as far I as that? I think Holman would have done a lot more if he didn't get that injury yeah. as well. You and that's, to that in, and that's the one thing that I think really did harm, every, like, harm his debut season with Brisbane is the fact that he, yeah, just missed so much time because I remember I think it was that Newcastle or Wellington game in January the Raw lost he it was right when he was starting to get back into the site and you could tell like he was trying so much stuff and trying to work as a little bit of a playmaker and doing all these flicks over the top towards McLaren and Borello and stuff and it was one of those things I remember watching and just going that is so close to working if they just had a little bit more time together and it was where the first time I really started to think that's where the injury is coming back. But now, look, you've got Holman, who is a real goal scorer, with a full preseason behind him now. Yeah. I'm actually really excited about him. Hopefully. That's actually the one other position I think the Raw might look at strength if they go for a third player as a backup to Brett Holman, because there's not a lot of options there in that number 10 position. I know Dagus, you know, has been kind of mentioned as a player in that kind of position, but if you've got, you're probably more looking at him as a striker given the potential problems you might have. Yeah. If your marquee player gets here late and if Gamero has another setback you want you you might find yourself short. So Well in that maybe four, that might be the one other position you'd look at a depth player. And in that four four two article they actually did mention by name um D'Agostino is someone who's gonna have a lot of chances. Yeah, well I'm I'm encouraged by that. Hopefully he does. Yes, because I think you're leader of the Nick D'Agostino fan club. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very small small bandwagon at the moment, but it'll be full soon. 
and it's going to have a lot more backing to it than the Shannon Brady fan club. <laughs> I'm not... Yeah, let's... Uh, no, nothing, moving on. Nothing against Shannon Brady, I just like stirring up the fan club. Yeah. <laughs> frankly, it's Well, fun. the Shannon Brady fan club's got a Twitter account, the Dagestan anyone doesn't, so... Yeah, I'm not, not sure that's yet. bringing endorsement, no. having a fan-run Twitter account. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Yeah, well, either way, like, there's a lot of encouraging signs for this Raw team going into this season, and look, the best sides that they've had is when they've had depth. Like, the 2013-14 double-winning squad, you had two guys able to start at every position, except maybe goalkeeper, but that was Theo, one of Theo's best years. And it was a good mix as well, that side, between experience and youth, because you had, obviously, to take the striker position for one, you had Borussia up front, who had clearly rediscovered his form and desire, and you had young Kwame Yeboa, who there was plenty of questions about whether or not he was the appropriate choice to be the backup, but... He had a great game against Melbourne Victory in the preseason, and then he just kicked on from there. Yep. And of course, six months later, he's not even in the country anymore. He's gone to Europe. So. And he's actually re-signed with that German club that he we'll went to. Glad back. Yep. yep, that's right. I was going to let you pronounce that. <laughs> and <laughs> top, yeah. top marks for pronunciation. <laughs> and look, he must be doing something right for them to want to keep yeah. him around. So good on yeah. Kwame Yeboah. All right. So some of the other raw news: Joe Clady named to the squad for the AFC Under Twenty Three qualifiers. Yep. Good for them. Yeah, and... bit of controversy around that. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad that you know the Raw haven't been such a you know stickles as say a certain other club in South Adelaide Australia. United. But apparently that's been all resolved as well. Yeah. So I think it might be a big gamesmanship. It's... As of about two hours ago, yeah. it is good for Coletti though, just because he'll get some minutes really early in the A League preseason away playing against these sides, like Myanmar, Brunei, and it's actually Singapore. it is actually a very very decent yeah. team. Like the yeah. 23 to 26. Play, played in the A-League and the three others you know, are European-based yeah. um, in, yeah. in Premier League. So uh, it's, you'd hope that they do pretty well. And he'll obviously get game time early on, which will benefit him early in the season. So he'll start strong. But he'll, if they qualify, which you assume they will, they better, he'll miss a month in January for this tournament. So that's yeah. gonna, that'll be a You'd, you'd hope that our depth would cover that. Yeah. yeah. And they'll have plenty of players able to do that, you'd yeah. think. And then, so yeah, Danny Tiado has joined the club back as a... Yes. Team manager. Team's manager, I think it's the official title, isn't it? Replacing it, Scott Higgins. Yep. I honestly don't know what a team manager yeah. does. I'm not going we to need speculate. Any clarification on what the role uh, if it's is. Anything, if it's anything like what my dad did as uh, junior sports team manager when in under-8s and stuff, it was basically handing the team sheet in and giving out end-of-season participation trophies. Look, I, think, I think actually, you know, he, for better or worse, you know, he's copped a bit, like the decision to cop a bit of yeah. stick, actually. But look, at the end of the yeah. day, you know what... You, you don't know. Like he 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 had a certain reputation yeah. as a player. I think that's what as it is, as, a, as a as a administrator. You know what? A, you know, yeah. just go give time. You know, I think that's what it is. There was there's the whole perception that he and Craig Moore were a problem mm-hmm. back in their playing days. Whether that's true or not, perception it's might in the not past, equal it doesn't, reality. It doesn't yeah. really matter anymore. And, and also, now, anyway, I, so that perception led a lot of people to get upset about it. I think yeah. I think he's been doing some work with football goal quest as well. I read somewhere so. Maybe he has some experience in this role. I don't know. We don't know what the role is. So. Yeah, and mind you, that was all eight it's, years ago as well. I think people do yeah. change. And yeah, look, there are it's still good plenty of good, back, like, yeah. good and there's still plenty of good memories from him when he was yeah. playing. Like I remember, was it the twenty, the two thousand seven, two thousand eight season where I think it was basically held together with duct tape and still scored <laughs> yeah. some phenomenal yeah. goals. I think he put his shoulder out one game. He <laughs> straight back on, in back on the field two minutes later. So. But then it's funny, like, like, you, you bring up yeah. that memory about Danciato, but a lot of people seem to want to. Reflect on the uh, the infamous um, salute he gave gave down at Ehad Stadium. So to be fair, I'd give the Melbourne Victory fans that exact same salute. Hello <laughs> so. at our Melbourne Victory. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, there's you know, and it's one thing I think we're going to start seeing a lot more is when football really boomed with that yeah. generation of players. You know, the Tiado, Moore, the guys that went to the 06 World Cup. A lot of them are going to be coming back in, whether it's coaching yeah. roles like the Aloises or administrative roles yeah. like Moore, Tiado. But this, yeah, like, so I question: is that is that really a bad thing? You know, yeah. having football. I know it might put people, you know, a few other people's nose out of joints. And you know, it seems like a job for the boys. But you would hope that in the day that you know, if he does the job that he's paid to and asked, then you know, it doesn't. Really, what does it matter if 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 he's you know if he's Antiado or whoever it is? Yeah, and look, we want to keep the former players around mm. the game because, like it or not, they've got fantastic experience. And when you're talking to someone like Joe Coletti, who, you know, still has a lot of maturing to do as a player, you do have those heads yeah. saying, I don't want him anywhere near Joe Coletti. We don't need those. Don't need Coletti developing those slide tackles. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it would be... Banning him or heck can develop those. That's a fullback type of tackle. You don't want... Have you, seen, have you seen the size of Joe Coletti? He'll just bounce off a lot of the players. <laughs> <laughs> but... 
competency is the most important thing in roles like this. And as long as he's competent and we assume he is, right. then what's the problem with but it? But it might yeah. not even be when it comes to on-field conduct either. It might just be in terms of, you know, how you yeah. prepare yourself every week. In all week. seriousness, yeah, Dan Chatter has played for big clubs in Europe, Rangers, Manchester City, etc. He would have a lot of experience that he could pass on in terms of preparation and the like. Yeah. To all the young players. So there's, there is value there. Yeah, exactly. And look, the more experience you can give to players, well, more experienced players you can get talking to your young guys, the better. Even if it is just a don't do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Bessup Richard, don't sign for a new club and then get three red cards in three games. He still won the double. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alright, so we're going to move on to some of the news stories that have happened yep. over the last couple of years. And we're going to start off with the A-League TV deal. Yep. The free-to-air component has finally been resolved. Mm-hmm. One game per week on Channel 10, or I think it's going to be the digital channel of 11? One. 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 One okay, good. The HD channel. I think they're just taking the straight Fox feed as well, so it's going to be the same commentary feed, etc. Yeah. Because good. It, I think it's the network we all needed. We I all don't, wanted it to be on. Because I didn't mind David Bashir doing the oh. game. Yeah, but that's the thing. When you get Simon Hill, and look, <laughs> Mike Cockrell... He's. I do like Mike Cockrell as a commentator. He's got that real good. They're, they're way all of the com- Fox guys are ahead of Bashir to me. He's just. I can't listen to Bashir. After uh, Confederations Cup as well, just, I can't listen to the guy. And it's just going from Simon Hill, who I think is the standard yeah. for uh, football commentary or even sports commentary, yeah. really. Yeah, and look, it's the Saturday night primetime game. I think that's actually going to get a fair bit of traction as well. Yeah. Well, well there's like, some good games listed yeah. on those as well if you go look at the A League draw as well. well. Well, they would have built that schedule yeah. around it. Hmm. It is notable. That only two of the three derbies in Sydney and Melbourne will be on that primetime fixture. Yes, I think it's the, the first of Friday night, yeah. the Friday night game. So I think the Melbourne one, one of the Melbourne's on a Friday night, and one of the Sydney's on a Sunday, Sunday night. Afternoon. Would the yeah. Friday night derby be that traditional like December twenty third one? Know. Well, we'll, we'll yeah. get more into the draws. Yeah. A League season gets close. We yeah. don't have to talk too much about that. Um, yeah, we talked about Dane Ingham's international adventures. That's unbelievable. That what is. <laughs> The way he's gone the last six months, absolutely outrageous. Fantastic. Now, the uh, FFA have bid for the 2023 Women's World Cup. Yeah. I think it's great. Like, the yeah. more international exposure Australia can get as a football nation, I can nation, understand the, the people who criticise saying, oh, last time we went to FIFA was a farce. She spent $42 million on nothing. I can understand that point of view, right. but $5 million to bid for the Women's World Cup, I think, is appropriate. And also, as well, you got to remember, the Matildas are a top yeah. 10 nation, yeah. unlike the Socceroos, who, with all due respect, are languishing 40, 50. Yeah. The Matils are a big deal. So, like I said, I, I think we've we got a great chance yeah. of hosting, and I think it'll be a very good event. Just a, I suppose, not funny, but interesting little note. The Socceroos languishing in the 40s and 50s actually scuppered a mm. move for Mark Milligan to England. So, oh, did they yes. really? Okay. Yeah, the work, work permit rules. Yeah, to add the Matildas have been right up there at the top of them mm. for a long time. Japan won the World Cup a couple yeah. of editions ago and the Matildas regularly challenged them. So yep. they're, they're right there in a home World Cup potentially in 2023. And while the standard... like Particularly mine, with the way yeah. women's sports go at the moment, you've got AFLW starting, you've got the women's cricket, you've got the netball all launching new leagues. Yep. To have a women's World Cup here would put that right at the middle of the centrepieces and in, trying to attract yeah. athletes to the next generation. That's and in terms exactly of genuine know. international competition, yeah. that is something that football can bring ahead of AFL and you know netball has their own little world tournament which has some pretty high standards yeah, that's a, that's a fair fairly good competition in truth the netball yeah. world cup you can't don't, don't want to knock that it's oh not no like, absolutely not I, like the I, silly I, AFL and and also, I love watching netball it is phenomenal yeah, entertainment and also as well about FIFA so on the women's side thing they have been tra- proven actually that they will go to non-traditional thing. Like yeah. They just had the last yeah. World Cup in Canada, which was an exceptional yeah. Looking tournament. At, I think so. There's a lot of Asian bids, Japan, South Korea, China, and there's also one in Colombia as well, so it's no guarantee it's going to mm. come to this part of the world. Yep. But, look, all you can do is try, and it'll probably, well, hopefully go a little bit better than when they bid for the Men's World yeah. Cup. It can't go much worse, can it? Oh. Zero votes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're going to move on to the Brisbane NPL competition. Can I go to the Socceroos quickly first? Oh, yeah, yeah oh, Confederations yeah, Cup. Happy. Does anyone want to say anything about the, about the qualifiers in the Confederations Cup? Or? The floor is yours, my friend. No, I'll just talk okay. about that. Okay. No, no, I'll jump no, in we'll and say... No, we'll get to that. Oh, we'll oh to okay. That. As I said, I'll jump in yeah. quickly about the Socceroos. Yeah. I think okay. what we're seeing with this is Andrew's shortcomings yeah. as an international manager where he... Look, he's a phenomenal club manager, but I think for him to really get the best out of his yeah. players, he needs time. Now, yeah. looking ahead to the World Cup in... 11 months or whatever. Assuming they get there. They will. Yeah. I think that Ant is going to have a team that's ready, yeah. fit, firing, and going to make some noise yeah. again. And 
as long as they don't get completely and utterly screwed over by the draw, they're going to do really I, well. I, I agree yeah. with you on that. I think the draw is... A, yeah. our, the soccer's chances relies on the draw. I will say Simple the Chile that. game was the what, first time we really saw the 3-6-1 formation click. Yep. That was the best game we've played with this new system. If that's where it's going to head, then there's tremendous potential there. And we also saw guys like Tommy Urich and Jackson Irvine step up in this tournament, which was really encouraging. Yep, and with the Socceroos also, like I think they definitely have the personnel to run the three-six-one formation, but I'm not quite sure they've got the depth to sustain it. We need They need Spiranovic back in defence. Mm. Instead and, of Bailey Wright, I'm not convinced by him. And in all honesty, I, I love the theory behind it, trying to get your best 11 players on the yeah. park. But then if one of them drops out, whether it's through fatigue or something, that's where you do run into trouble. But look, we've got some really good players that do belong to on, you know, the in the best leagues in the world, like Rogic, Moy. And, you know, we may even be saying in 12 months, McLaren is a top Bundesliga, well, not top, but you know what I mean? Like, he can cut it in yeah. the Bundesliga or... I think he's walking a fine line at the moment, McLaren. No, with but... the national team after that miss. Did you see Andrew's reaction to it? Oh, yeah. But that being said, like yeah, it's his first big opportunity, though. You got to say that from from a more global aspect. But hey, I think the the World Cup might be over already. You know, if, if the uh, die reserve Manshaft won the Confederations Cup, imagine what their senior side's going to do. You've been do, sitting so. on that joke for a couple of weeks, have. haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to pronounce it. <laughs> oh God, you guys actually did prep work over the off yeah. I've got plenty of prep work. Actually. <laughs> All right, so now yeah. I got my now with the Socceroos qualifier. Yeah, the Thailand oh, game right. is in Melbourne. Sit back. Is that actually confirmed? It's, well, it's been leaked through the AFC. It's in Melbourne. Ah. Yep, so wonderful. So it's now currently 1,851 days since they played here, James. Is that to, to today? That's today. 1,911 so, days to the Thailand game. It will be over 2,100 days by the time the next qualifiers roll around. So basically, sit back and get ready for a long time before you see soccer is here in Brisbane. There's... Dates possibly if they if they don't qualify automatically there's qualifiers in September and October but the Suncorp Stadium schedule if you look at it there's just not time to play the games here. Not no if yep. if, if, by, if we do finish yeah. third and then take on it's, the Concaps there's no even if they want to play it here even if they wanted to play here there's just not the dates available. Is so there a fishing go tournament to, on or something? There's something on and you got to, you got to march and there's that's rumored to be playing Iran in Australia at that point in a friendly. Well, there's two concerts at Suncorp that exact week, so that's out. So then you go to June, which is to be the send-off game, which is not going to be in Brisbane. That would, that's going to be in Sydney or Melbourne, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to see the Antipostacogli-led soccerers here in Brisbane again, unfortunately. I think the only time you saw the Antipostacogli-led soccerers was in the Asian Cup. Which does not count towards this list because it's an ASC tournament, not a soccer, not an FFA game. So Ooh, I'm, I'm, not, even, and, I'm <laughs> not, even, not even considering that in this list of things. Okay. So. And not to get political, but I swear there are a bunch of football fans out there that would just vote for whatever political party said, we're going to get a meaningful Socceroos game Well, the 1900 <laughs> days doesn't exactly only cover this current government anyway. That's another story. They're not blameless in this to say government. Yep. You can't just blame the FFA, but I will say 1851 days since a game and 10 years since a fan day, which is arguably more important for engagement between, and, with young fans and stuff. I mean, I personally don't care about autographs and stuff, but there's okay. plenty of young kids who do, and that sort of engagement can create lifelong fans, and yep. then it's not, that's not happening in Brisbane at the moment. And that, quite frankly, isn't good enough. It's not, it's not good enough, and it's on the FFA. Yep. All right, like so many things at the moment. We're going to pull up on segment two there and be back right after this. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
All right, welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review, part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. It's James Scott and Adam, and it's episode one of season two. Now, last year we did episode numbers with uh, player jersey numbers, but this yeah. time we're going to go with appearances. Yeah. And a player that had one appearance for the yeah, rule. This, which... this is the Shin Yong episode, James. That's right. And now, why should that, we remember that name right now? Well, because he's obviously managing South Korea to the World Cup next year, and he was, of course, played the first game ever for the rule. Back in 2005. And that was it. Yeah, and I think he did his knee in that game and he became an assistant under Miron and Frank Friend before going on being an excellent coach in his own right because he led Songnam to the All Asian Sun, Champions actually. League. Was it Ulsan. Was it Ulsan. He led them... Oh, no, what well, was Songnam no, with, something from with um, right. Sass Dognoski as captain back in 2008 when they won the Asian Champions League. So. Well done. An and excellent coach in his own right. And best of luck in the new gig as long as he's not playing the soccer race. <laughs> yeah. so, let's just hope they don't finish third and we don't finish third. Anyway. Will Shin Tae-yong return to Suncorp? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, like Suncorp's going to get the game. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the Raw's NPL side, we teased that a little bit before the last uh, break. Yep. Five straight losses since we yeah. last recorded, and in that episode we were talking about a 5-0 loss to Brisbane Strikers. So what's going on with the youth, youth side? They're in a bit of a funk at the moment, actually. Do you think Results-wise, this is probably the worst they've ever done. But it's not all about results of the young Robert. It's about player development, but... Yeah. This is the least competitive that they've looked in a while. Is it just a byproduct of having such a young team against I think that's a big part grown of grown-ups? That's a big part of it. They're all first-year players, a lot of them. Yeah. I think that, that step up they've made, some of them are still adjusting, which yeah. is completely understandable and natural. And you can't really put a you know, older or side in the NPL. No, cause... no they're, they're even, like I said, you can, you can get away with a little bit of that natural youth league, but even NPL, the rules are very, very clear. No, no pro contracts, so... Yep. So, yeah, there's that. some talented players in there. We've mentioned Nathan and Oliver Duncan quite a lot, but one other player who's starting to really emerge the last couple of weeks, Rahat Akbari. He plays at the, in the front third as well, more of a number 10 type, a couple of goals and assists. So he's starting to emerge as a player as I well. Think, so. I think the attack, the attacking players at the moment, I think, yeah, you know, with you, you know, Oliver Duncan, Finn Beekhurst, another yeah. one that's been going on yeah. pretty well. That seems to be fine, but I think the problem at the moment, the youth is defence and you know, midfield. That's yeah. a real problem. And is it just a, but it just seems like every year yeah. someone new starting and someone's yeah. leaving, so it could just yeah. be to do with the turnover. Also, I'm not a big fan of the system they play at the moment. They, yeah. use, they play very much like the Raw did with McLaren in the first team because June's got a lot of pace. and They put a lot of, like, when they win the ball back in transition, they go forward straight away. And yeah. it's just not quite working all the time. I'd like to see them build up a bit more, but that's... That's just my view on it. And they're currently sitting in 10th out of 12 teams in the NPL Queensland competition. At the top is Gold Coast City FC, so yeah, good on a, them. It was a great game, actually, between them and Brisbane Strikers mm. at the weekend on the live stream game. I mean, Hiroki Amori, who was rumoured to be trialling with the Raw at one stage last year, scored an absolute wonder goal from 35 Jake yards. Jake McLean's why, goal was pretty... Why yeah, do I not remember well, Saturday night? I don't know why you don't remember Saturday night, James. That's right, yeah. I don't worry, <laughs> I, I had a very early bedtime Saturday night... <laughs> But yeah, that was a great game match between those two. And they're the two. It's between those two and Olympic at the moment. They're the three top teams of the yep. NPL at the moment. And then there's a battle on for fourth. But the big NPL story has actually been to do with what's yep. happening next season, where the competition is going to expand. Yes, Lions FC are in, which is fantastic for the local game to see another big, strong, traditional Brisbane club in the in the competition. And you can make your own jokes about oh, Raw versus the Raw of old or whatever if you want, but... <laughs> Yeah. Then, of course, you've got the, the regional team, which I'll let you read out, James, because it's such a long name. The Mackay and Wit Sundays Magpies Crusaders United. Yes. That's almost as bad as FC Brisbane FC City FC Gladiators. <laughs> but, oh, look, it almost makes me wish I was still living up in the Wit yeah. Sundays because that's going to be a fun team to watch. Will be. Mouthful team to, to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, oh, it's good to see you. you know, there, got there is a distinct lack of regional teams in. The NPL at the moment. You've really only got two up north, so a third one makes sense. Yep. And look, Mackay's a fairly accessible place to yep. get to. and Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the second division is going to feature all of the Brisbane Premier League minus Capalabar <laughs> yeah. and Grange Thistle. Pretty much, yep. Two Gold Coast teams and a, a Sunshine Coast team in yeah. Wide Bay. I know one, I think it's Gold Coast Athletic. It's like four or five Gold Coast Premier League teams combining. And the Sunshine Coast team is basically the Budger and Wanderers, mm. who are the top team in the... Sunshine Coast Premier League, they're renaming themselves to be Sunshine Coast Wanderers, so... No, that makes there sense. There you go. Well, it, that's, 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 that's a really interesting that, actually. Yeah. I don't love the promotion relegation system they've got, but... Can you explain that? It's I think it's 
the seniors under 20s and under 18s, which I understand, but it's only Brisbane teams that can be relegated. Yeah. So it's, it excludes, basically everyone can be relegated except for the young Raw, the Fury, and the yeah, no, look, and the FNQ Heat. I don't think you should open it up. Everyone should be able to be relegated if you're going to have it. Just as a quick sort of bite of that, I, I really disagree with the decision to um, excise Brisbane, Brisbane Raw youth from the um, for that relegation. I, to be honest, I you know I really don't think they yeah they're good enough. And I, I just think you know you look at other states, you look at New yeah. South Wales and Victoria, yeah. like the Vic, victory. Victory City in Mel in in Victoria and yeah. you know Wanderers and um and Sydney FC yeah. they're not protected by that they 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 they're playing in yeah. the second I think division. The Mariners there. are in that same. Yeah, yeah, I think they are as well. So and Wellington are in yeah. that problem in the A League where they can't get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no. Victory did actually get promoted from the second tier in Victoria, went up and they went yeah. down again. So I, I don't understand and, why and the Royal Sydney be FC are playing the fly at the moment. That, yeah. that was by virtue of winning um, MPL two down yeah. there. So, yep. Uh, all right, so this weekend you've got Western Pride versus Moreton Bay, Southwest Queensland versus Northern Fury, Gold Coast City versus Redlands. On Saturday, Sunday is Sunshine Coast versus Strikers, and then the game we'll obviously be most yeah. interested in is the Raw Focus podcast, yeah. Brisbane Raw Youth versus Brisbane City Saturday at AJ Kelly Park in Redcliffe. I'll be at this game. I'm really interested to see how the Raw play. I haven't seen him in person for a few weeks. So, so. everyone who can recognise Scott, go up and give him a big high five. Thanks, James. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It's not like I asked him. There's to... such a big crowd at the NPL game. That's really going to happen. <laughs> it all depends. Is there a power game beforehand? Is it there is actually. There's yeah. a double header with a BPL power game as well. Awesome. Say, we didn't mention just earlier. Um, Western Pride are in really good form at the moment yeah. with Harrison Sawyer back for them. He's made a big difference for them. Yeah, they're coming out the table. Like seven goals or something in four games. It's unbelievable. Yep. All right. So we're going to move on to the FFA Cup because the draw for that was last week, yep. and I think. Things went pretty much as well as they could for the southeast Queensland. Yeah, we'll we'll give Adam his time, but let's just go over it quickly. The Raw are playing Melbourne Victory yep. Wednesday, August 9th at Perry Park. You've got Queensland Member Federation ties, so the NPL Queensland and BPL yep. teams. Penn Power versus Melbourne City at Dolphin Stadium in Redcliffe. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Morton Bay United versus Broadmeadow Magic at Walter Park Albany Creek. Uh, two Northside venues. Yep. Gold Coast City versus Western Knights, August 2nd as well, at yep. Malawa Sporting Complex, Palm Beach. And then August 9th, Sydney United 58 against Far North Queensland Heat at Sydney United yep. Sports Centre. That's the one with the fake pitch, isn't it? It is, no, yes. I'm and they play sure. each other in the first edition of the FFA Cup round of 32 and Sunshine and Sydney, Sydney United. United, sorry, won comfortably. Good for them. That, the other three ties, I mean, Moreton Bay, Broadmeadow Magic and Gold Coast City, Western Knights, they're highly winnable yep. for both of those teams. That's... That's about as good a draw as you're possibly going to get. I know it's not the same team, but Morton Bay beat a team from NPL, Northern NPL 3-1 back in the NPL it, it finals was, uh, in 2015. Edgeworth, Edgeworth Eagles back in yeah, 2015. Uh, who, so they've beaten a team in this competition previously. Yeah. You'd have to say they're clear favourites, particularly yep. on their own field. Mm. Yep. Now, venues for the home ties in Brisbane, Redcliffe, Albany Creek... And Perry Park. Yes, no, maybe so. I'll go quickly then, Adam can tee off. I have no problems with the venues whatsoever. No. I'm, I'm really happy for the people of Redcliffe to get it at Dolphin Stadium. Yes. Okay, it's not great for people in Brisbane, <laughs> but it's it's their local team and it's, they should play in their region. Not possibly. for anyone coming from Rabina where they no. work. <laughs> no, but Dolphin Stadium, I'm really interested to see what the stadium is like. And, I'm happy for them with that. The Gold Coast yeah. City one, I'm also really happy for them. They don't have to hire Rabina for no reason to get... 500 people turn up, so that's really good for them. Yep. The Morton Bay one, I do wish was at Perry Park because Walter Park is just such a hard place to get to. But for them, if you can get away with playing it at Walter Park, why wouldn't you? We'll have to so uh, really look at our coverage schedule it, for then. All right, Adam. Well, no, I'm highly disappointed, but he has got pretty much took my main points, and the, and the main point is I've been seeing, you know, obviously on social media, a bit of, you know, stick about oh, adult, you know, potential power choose to play a game at Dolphin Stadium rather than Perry Park or anywhere in Brisbane. And to the backup Scotty's point, at no stage at any time the Peninsula Power espouse to represent Brisbane or anywhere like that. They are a Redcliffe team. Redcliffe is outside the Brisbane City Council area. They have no obligation whatsoever to play the game. And I think actually it would be the worst decision they could have ever made to move to Perry Park. They represent Redcliffe. They're Proud Redcliffe, you know, representatives of that. They deserve to have that game. They deserve to have Tim Cahill there at Dolphin Stadium on August, 5th. and they will get a decent crowd up there, bigger than what they would go AJ Kelly or at you know at Perry Park. So good on them for sticking on. And you know, it's one of the few things 
that I actually think, you know, going on as well with Walter Park, Mallow and Mallow and Palm Beach, good on the FFA to actually allow these clubs, where possible, to play at their actual traditional home ground. Yep. I would, I'm always happy to see teams playing at yeah. their, mm. at the grounds they're familiar with because yeah. I do think sometimes you do, you like, you see teams, I think it was Palm Beach a couple of years ago, yeah. had to play... They played South Melbourne at Rabina and it was a joke. And But you could just tell, like... It's not that the stage was too big for them, but you could tell they were thrown by the scale of the venue. And one of the best FFA Cup games I've ever been to was Olympic FC versus Melbourne Knights, and that That was was the first year played at Goodwin Park. I can't believe I went to uni ahead of that game. (laughs) You missed out. That was a great great night there. I I remember sitting in my lecture following it on Twitter going, I wish I was there. (laughs) Although I will say Redlands playing last year at Perry Park Adelaide but, that was I think, also special. But yeah. I think that was more like, and I think a few people might yeah. counter that and say, well, why did Redlands move their game, you know, forty k's yeah. up the road? But that's the thing is that this Cleveland yeah. Showgrounds is such an open venue, there is yeah. no way you can secure it down for ticketing. Yeah. So they they were probably forced to by the fact that they couldn't. Yeah. Dolphin Stadium is a very very good stadium. Yeah. It's it's been redeveloped. Yeah. I think it'll be a great night out there do, you know, on, yeah. on the first. The only thing I will say, I hope that Peninsula Power do have some plan to get people from the train station up there to Dolphin Stadium. That might be the only thing, yeah. Because it's not exactly a, cl- a short walk. But if, mm. if they tee up from like a, a charter bus or something, that'd be ideal. And they, and they yeah. have they have um, sort of hinted that on, on yeah. Twitter that they're going to try and do that. So that'd that, be that would be good. All right, so... Yeah, that's going to do it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review, guys. We made it through. Episode 1 again. Hey! I can safely say that it was far less awkward and much less sweaty than Episode 1 last <laughs> season. Uh, <laughs> yes. yes. That, that might really not be warm to... studio back in your yeah. days. Yeah, and us stumbling through realising we probably needed a slightly more detailed run sheet than what was in our heads. Yeah. <laughs> and also the, the cuts every five minutes. When we were... Yeah. yeah. Alright, so we'll have episode two coming in a few weeks when the FFA Cup round of 32 is a little bit closer, but I, we're probably going to do episode two around about yeah. the raw friendly with Lions oh, We didn't even mention that earlier. I think they've announced today there's a friendly against Lions FC on... July 25th. Tuesday, yeah. July 25th at Richlands. Yes. At so time, yep. we may be around that venue that night. Somewhere there, yeah. Possibly, possibly trying to work out if we can record there. We'll, <laughs> we'll have to work we'll that something. one. <laughs> Definitely. And yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And I believe there may be reports of more friendlies to come. Yeah. yeah. We, you'd assume so. I mean, it's yeah. July now. The season starts in October. And it'd be good for them to play clubs that yeah. are in the FFA Cup so they're, you know, trying to play up. Yeah. One quick point. I know you want to wrap it up, James, but when the Roar have done really well in the se- in seasons, it's they've they've had a lot of early games against the local sides, and that's built their fitness and all the rest of it. Yep. So hopefully this is the start of that coming back. All right, so that's definitely going to be it for the edition of the Brisbane okay. Football Review. Scott, Adam, thank you. Good to see you again, James. See you. Yeah, it's good to be back. We'll see you at the end of July, I suppose. All right, thanks, everyone. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.